It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Man City Show is backed for the season by Ladbrooks. Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Nigel Rothman back in the chair. And to discuss the only unbeaten team in the country, a record 13 wins on the trot, 21 or is it 22 matches undefeated? Staying five points clear at the top of the Premier League. Best start of any team in the Premier League. It just gets better at this. 28 points. Most goals, that's 35 after 10 games. And in 15 games, it's 45 goals. Gabriel Jesus has gone a whole calendar year undefeated. And Raheem Sterling is still top of the league. Uh, to join me to discuss all of that and much more, we've got uh, Steve Cox. Hello. Nice to see you. You too. Uh, we've got A View from a Blue, Stephen Allwise. Hello. And we've got centralist and real ailed enthusiast, Dave Hodgson. His words, not mine, Dave. Nice Hello. to see you. Hello. Good to see you. Uh, listen, um, before, we, uh, before we carry on, uh, we've got to pay the wages. So uh, if you sign up and deposit up to £50, Ladbrokes will put the same amount into your account, giving up to £50 worth of free bets. And you can find this link at bet.citypodcast.net. Um, so, gents, this is just getting better and better, isn't it? I've just read out a whole series of things that when we were playing uh, Macclesfield away all those years ago were unheard of, unthinkable even. Dave, you must be over the moon. It's, it's just getting better and better, isn't it? You know, every week you hear, you know, the bubble's going to burst, the bubble's going to burst. And, you know, we're looking, you know, we're looking comfortable. It's it's going well. The, st- the stats make for beautiful reading, as you've evidenced there. And you know, happy days, really. That's it. End of the show, Steve. Nothing else to say, really, is it? That's it. See you happy. next week. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. So this is Nigel Rob, and thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you all very soon. Steve, what's going on? Well, I, I don't know. I, I felt a little bit strange at the end of Saturday's game, really because I felt that we won it by far more than the scoreline suggested. Um, but I, 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 can't see, I can't see any sort of dark linings on any cloud at the moment. I think playing some amazing football. Everybody's saying we're playing some amazing football. I hear lots of people that are not City supporters actually watching City games because they enjoy watching the brand of football. 
what can go wrong? What's pleased you most of all, Stephen? You know, let, let, let's kind of bring this back to a sensible level here. Clearly, we're playing fantastic football. Pep's got us playing the sort of football that, that we threatened to play when we played in sort of short spells last year. But it's now full games where we're doing it. What, what particular aspects excite you most from what you've seen from City this year? I think it's building on what you just said about the Pep style and, and how he's been able to implement that. It's the consistency with which we've done it. We've probably since Mancini's time we've had odd games where we've produced that level of football the 6-1 against United we've we've had a few 5-1s or 4-0s 4-1s but we've almost done that every single game this season and okay the the last three games if we think Wolves obviously we made a lot of changes but West Brom I don't think we were as fluent as we have been all season and then Napoli was was a hard slog actually to hold on in the second half but we still found a way but then the, I mean, the first few games of the season, the consistency of the excellence of the football has been astonishing. It's just every time we go forward, we look as if we're going to score. And we pretty much have done. We've been ruthless. Um, it, it's just sensational to watch. Having said that, and, and Stephen made the point, when you think of those last two games, Wolves, the championship side, albeit at the time they were top of the championship, we, we failed to score against them. And there were times at the weekend where we looked a bit, bit laboured, a bit maybe a bit leggy, a bit tired, possibly. I think that's fair. I mean, the Wolves game, I don't think you can... Uh, although we didn't score, I don't think you can say we didn't create. You know, it was a miracle that we did not score. The number of chances and the number of times where we were unlucky or profligate, however you want to word it, but... You know, fair play to Wolves. I think they did the best job of any team at coming to us and trying to sort of neutralise the, th- the threat we pose. And yep, yeah, you know, you, you say West Brom, we look leggy, except we still scored three goals. We still, you know, put the, put the game in a position where, yep, yeah, it, you know, it was a little nervy, maybe a little towards the end, but we got we got ourselves into that position. And really, if this is what we have to complain about, you know, <laughs> we're in a pretty nice position. If, I- if we are being critical. Um, then it felt, and we were discussing this off air, as all good podcasts often say, we were discussing this off air. Um, it so actually, all good pos- podcasts and this one as well. You and this one, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anything hosted by you. Um, <laughs> it just felt against West Brom for the first time this season, we were trying to walk the ball into the net. We were trying to score the perfect goal and it felt we were almost passing the ball for the sake of doing it. Whereas all the previous games this season, there's been a purpose and an intensity to our play. Um, it just felt we were a bit, one paced against West Brom we often went for the extra pass instead of you know that defence splitting ball it it just felt it wasn't quite at the level as, as it has been so far but it's fair to say Steve that, that when you've played the sort of football we have and, and we're still in four competitions as we know and the amount of possession that we've had and the way that teams will now set up against us with you know parking the bus and 11 men behind the ball you know they've worked really really hard at some point in the season they are going to start to show that they're a bit tired and so on I guess would that be fair uh, yeah, it's fair but I think maybe two months into the season it's probably a little bit early for us to be getting too tired although they've played quite a bit of football but I, I, I don't know I, I think we've still managed as, as Stephen quite rightly pointed out we've still managed to find a way and even in the games where we've we've found it quite hard going we've managed to get some something out of those games okay Wolves we didn't win it in 90 minutes we didn't win it in 120 minutes but we did win it in the penalty shootout Um, you know and and really you have to applaud even players that we probably felt were past their best Bravo for example really shone in that Wolves game and there were one or two other players on the pitch that actually you know really put in quite a good show Delph actually had a fantastic game against um, against Wolves so I think 
we find a way and and regardless of whether we're tired or not we've still got enough quality to hurt the opposition um, I think we just look better when we pass the ball a bit faster and move the ball a bit faster and, and this dodgy defence that has been talked about you know sort of pre-season and the early part of the season that we've that's our area of weakness it certainly hasn't we've not conceded that many have we I will, we'll come maybe come on to the the two silly mistakes I guess at the weekend and Otamendi in particular but but generally speaking the defence has been pretty solid hasn't it it's uh, it's it's been incredibly impressive how Stones and Otamendi seem to have sort of got this understanding very quickly, and particularly Edison building into that. You know the defence and Edison save for the incident at um, West Brom, which, as you say, will come on to. Um, you know that w- the communication there has been very strong. I'm still a little concerned that we lack pace in the back line. You know, from the centre backs, obviously, I'm not counting Walker in that, but um, the two centre backs, I think given how high up the pitch they play and given the lack of pace between them, it does worry me that some teams are going to be able to get over the top, you know, maybe thinking Leicester here, um, you know, that we'll be able to get over the top and get in behind them. But so far they've really marshaled what's, what's been put in front of them very well and it's been very encouraging. The keeper behind helps a bit, doesn't it, as well, doesn't it? And having somebody who is actually going to stop the ball. Yeah, I think that obviously helps when we face shots but actually we've not faced I think many shots on target this season before West Brom I think it was 14 shots on target in nine games so Edison's been brilliant and as secure as he makes us feel actually it's the people in front of him who've been so much better this season at doing their jobs to stop the opposition from having the chances Um, Stones and and Otamendi considering how worried we've been for so long that if company's injured then there's a vulnerability about us. I think both have been superb this season. Stones especially has just taken on extra responsibility. Uh, Fernandinho in front, I think, is having a, an excellent campaign. Doesn't always get the praise that others do in the side. Um, and Walker has settled in. You know, He's proven that he is a solid Premier League right-back. Um, and Delph has been a revelation in stepping into left-back. So Edison looks so comfortable with the ball at his feet um, but it's it's the defence that have really stepped up this season and in terms of that attacking line then Steve which are the ones that as Stephen's already said they tend to be the ones that get the headlines yeah um, you know we won again on on Saturday you know without you know the league's probably greatest striker ever who was able to just you know rest and wait for his record to, to come um, and, and we're still sort of knocking three goals in. I mean, that, that, that front line is so exciting to watch, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, they, they create plenty of opportunities and they take them. Sane's goal was an absolute peach, that first goal. How he managed to get the ball between, you know, between the player and in, in such a way that the goalkeeper had, had sight of it at the very last second, amazing. Can't fault them. I, I think I have to echo what Stephen was saying about Fernandinho, though. I mean, they did pick him out when I watched Match of the Day back. They did pick him out particularly for some praise, given the fact that he he not only does the defensive stuff very well, he actually knits the midfield together very well and does a lot of good passing. Um, and he actually moves quite well. And he's, he's also featured quite a lot in the attack as well. Um, he'd scored a goal um, on Saturday and actually made one as well. I think it was his pass that hit found Sane, I think. 
if yeah. I remember <laughs> rightly. So I think most people gave him match the man of the match. Actually, most of the the papers and social media. Yeah, but I think Fernandinho's you know I'm kind of sing, singling yeah. him out for even more praise. I mean, he's been doing that in in quite a few games this yeah. season, and and I really like the guy. He's he's got some real metal about him. And just going through the goals quickly. I mean, Sane. I mean, just it hit it like a rocket, didn't he? I mean, yeah, it was he just, did. That was on. I don't think even you in your prime would have stopped that being an ex. Probably not. No, probably not. I would have had to have dived on Friday evening. I think to get that one. <laughs> <laughs> right, that went. Uh, and I thought, you know, I thought the move for the, for the third goal and Walker's cross. This guy who can't cross, of course, remember as everybody said, for a guy it, who can't finish. It, uh, <laughs> exactly, not bad. It was a bad, bad combination, was it? But uh, yeah, I mean, you mentioned that Stephen mentioned Walker before. Uh, I've enjoyed watching him. I mean, he's because he bombs forward. He's, he is going to get caught out occasion defensively, but that's kind of Pep's way, isn't it? You know, we might make the odd mistake at the back like that, but we're, we're always going to score more than you. Is kind of the philosophy, isn't it? I think he's he's been a very strong addition and I feel for him as well because I think he would have looked even better if Mendy was fit and we had two sort of rampaging fullbacks and we could use that to really exploit the width on the pitch my my, my thing that I like so much about Walker is he does make mistakes but he recovers very very well from you, know, you see he if he makes a mistake he's straight back on he's got the pace to recover and he you know he's one of those players who really works to get the ball back and I think given the way we play I have my doubts whether he would he would be able to, you know, fit this very technical, you know, technically demanding system. But he's he's so far, you know, looking looking like he's a perfect fit for the role Guardiola wants him to play. Can I play devil's advocate here? And I think some of you might well be fans of Otamendi saying he's he's had a better season. He's looking solid. It was a shocking mistake, wasn't it? Really for that for the second goal and uh, really di- disappointing and. You know, should we get rid of should we bin him and get one of the youngsters in playing at the back there you know, be my, just, had, just, just to wind well, when, you all up when here. the alternative is Mangala no we should not bin Otamendi okay um, it's not one he, of the youngsters he just, he just had one of his days he has them occasionally I think he has uh, too many though and no, he had a few I'd, last I'd, season he had a few last season but I think this is the first one this season where you can just tell he goes to ground he slides in misses the ball starts wrestling his man gives away silly free kicks should have been sent off against Chelsea should have been sent off against but he's, he's largely cut that out of his game this season. Um, and he has got those mistakes in him. Um, but I think you have to give him the benefit of the doubt in the in company's absence. He's now the experienced centre-back and he has done well. He's looked a lot more solid this year. I, I, th- I think Edison didn't have the best game really and actually for me it wasn't just Otamendi's mistake it was actually Edison's mistake as well because the onus in that position is on the goalkeeper to be telling Otamendi what he wants him to do he can see the player behind Otamendi um, and it's up to him to, to sort of tell Otamendi how to deal with it whether that's just to kick it away or yes back to me so I think if, if, if there'd have been a clearer shout from Edison maybe Otamendi might not have uh, made that mistake. I think Otamendi you know, we saw in the Liverpool game, there are certain games Otamendi is just not capable of doing, you know, of, of excelling. And when he's up against that sort of pace that Liverpool have, it's a problem. But for me, the West Brom game was the perfect sort of game for him. You know, they focus on that target man, Salomon Rondon, who I think is a very effective player, wins a lot in the air. Otamendi is very good at winning his aerial duels and very useful for that. I've got to say, I, I don't think he had that bad a game on, on Saturday. And there's been some games I've thought he's not up to it and if you were asking me who is you know where would I think we need to look to improve centre-back would be the first one and I'd want to see a better quicker partner for John Stones but you know in games like that where we need someone who's going to win a physical duel win an aerial duel he's a very useful player to have 
there was one cracking long ball assist from a, from a young Gareth Barry as well, who uh, uh, I think stood out for me in terms There's of... two uh, assists, I believe, from Gareth Barry. Well, did he get yeah, another yeah, one? Yeah, that one both. sticks in my mind in particular. Does it, it, does it count as his assist for, the, for West Brom's second when Otamendi chess it back? No, Otamendi gets the assist as far as I'm concerned. He'll okay. take. He'll take it. <laughs> Doesn't get many, does he? To be fair. Now, I listen, believe you got fantasy league points for it. That's the only reason. I, uh... Our producers at Playback Media have complained actually that we didn't do enough uh, to promote last week's bit about the excellent tough ten run for cancer research. So I'm going to have another go at doing that. And basically, they're inviting the Man City Show and all all our listeners to take part in Cancer Research UK's Tough Ten and help beat cancer sooner. Uh, and if you don't know about it, uh, Tough 10 uh, basically is a series of epic 10k runs. There's no obstitu- obstacles, just 10k of tough winding trails, uneven woodland landscapes and steep muddy declines. So if you or your mates want to conquer that, um, it's on at Heaton Park in Manchester on Sunday the 26th of November 2017. Um, so uh, you can sign up today actually. Uh, the address is cruk.org stroke tough 10 t-o-u-g-h 10 that's one zero and if you can use the promo code t-t-e-n-o-c-t um, on the checkout and we'll give you uh, uh, a discount actually uh, of five pounds on the entry fee so so please uh, get involved um, with uh, with that excellent initiative for, from cancer research uh, after that listen let's take a quick break and we'll be straight back after this The Man City Show is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. Uh, listen, welcome back. Let's talk about England's under-17s World Cup win. Uh, and I think probably uh, significant for us is the three City players, Joel Latibodier, uh, the skipper, of course, Curtis Anderson, the keeper, and the Stockport Iniesta himself, Phil Foden, who scored two goals in the final and was awesome all-tournament. Um, We'll come on to what the future sort of <laughs> is in store for these these young lads, uh, if anything. Uh, but in terms of the performance itself and England winning World Cups, it's got to be good news, hasn't it? And particularly with three young City lads in the team. Well, it's, it's you know it's been a very good summer for the England team with all the different young young sides who've gone out and shown shown this you know you know got got everyone very excited about the about the future, and you know none more than Phil Foden who's been attracting rave reviews in every corner of the media and you know is another attacking option for us to consider and uh, it will be interesting to see you know what the plan is for him now because he's probably you know he's been training with the first team he's looked good you know for you know in, in this tournament he's been looking good for our youth sides really he's he's it's very exciting. It'd be good to see more of him. I mean, that excitement together with Pep's record, you know, to be fair, he has got a record of bringing youngsters on, hasn't he? In, in, in other clubs around Europe where he's managed. Is, is Foden going to feature, do you think? Is he going to, or is he just going to be kind of the odd, you know, League Cup uh, appearance? What do you I, reckon, Stephen? I think more so the, the Carabao Cup um, at the moment because, but we'd all love to see him play you know, some form of role with the first team, but, realistically you know the bench for the first team at the minute is so strong you look at the attacking options um against West Brom on the bench with Aguero Sterling Gundogan um he's going to have to have a couple of injuries uh to probably get a place on the bench but you know he's got that momentum behind him now it'd be a shame to see him just train every day and not playing um with us but 
it's being realistic. He's seventeen. He's quite small and slight. He's not someone who's physically probably ready to be thrown in straight away, but he's got the clearly got the technical skill capability to play with us. He's the type of player you'd like to see on the bench, and if we're two or three up with a few minutes to go, bring him on and, and see how he settles in. But you're then having to kick an established international player off the bench to have that situation. What a non-World Cup winner you mean? Someone who's not won the World Cup, like like Phil Foden has that sort of the player. Stockport Iniesta, I like that. <laughs> it's, that's what they call him. He is, yeah, he's the Stockport Iniesta. Uh, Steve, come on, what, what's uh, what's your view here? Well, are, I, I, are these guys going to have a, any real future out of that squad of however many is? Are any of them going to be making a full Indian, England international at, at some point? Yeah, I mean, there's a chance they could. I, I'm not sure what the record of um, bringing youngsters from the under-17s through the under-20s to the 21s and to the, the full squad actually is. I, I don't think there's too many that necessarily make all their way through, but some people don't shine necessarily quite that young and come through at a slightly later age. But I would hope that there's a lot of hope for those players that were in that team. They were 2-0 down um, towards the end of the first half and they showed a lot of guts and determination to actually come back from that. And that's probably more guts and determination than I've, I've seen for an, from an England team for a long time, particularly the, uh, the full squad. Um, but I like the look of Foden. I like the look of Latibodier. He looks really good. And, and actually the goalkeeper had quite a solid game, although he needs to work a little bit on his um, keeping hold of the ball because a couple of times he did let go of the ball and we had some incidents against Brazil where we lost a goal and we shipped one against uh, Spain because of it. But that to be said, you know, it's a big stage and they, they sort of performed extremely well in very difficult, hot conditions. Yeah. <coughs> Proud of them, really. All right, let's let's come back to City uh, and the sort of the next couple of fixtures coming up. The first one, of course, in Europe, we we top the group, which has sort of called Shakhtar, Feyenoord, and, and Napoli, and we go away to Napoli on on Wednesday. Um, what do we need to do to qualify? What's the uh, what's the scores on the doors? Because we're top of the group, we've played three one three. Is it a point we need? Is it that to kind of guarantee we need th- another three points to to qualify? Something like that. But we're it's looking pretty good. But Napoli's going to be a tough test, I would have thought, isn't it, Wednesday? It's notoriously one of the most hostile atmospheres to visit in Europe. And I believe Fernandinho was saying in, in the media today, giving a warning to the younger players, that this is an atmosphere you may not have seen before. You know, it's far more like a South American ground than it is a lot of the grounds you've, you've visited. <laughs> That's more likely to suit our squad, actually. <laughs> well, yeah, home from home. Welcome home, boys. Absolutely. And it's going to be, it's going to be tough. They are a very good side. This is probably the biggest challenge we've had thus far this season. And, you know, but if, if, we, if we win this, you know, we're in, we're in a very good position. Hopefully that will mean top of the group would be, a, would be you know, a formality. And look, you know, this is, this is the sort of team we need to be beating. These are the sort of occasions we need to be rising to if we want to be a European power. Stephen, Napoli away. Three points nailed on. Well, actually, I think the pressure's off a little bit. Um, agree with everything that you know, Dave said about the atmosphere and the environment there. But we've won three from three. We're going to qualify, even if we lose to Napoli. We're, you know, we're going to get the required number of points from the last couple of games. So, and I'm sure Pep won't approach it like this, but in a sense, the pressure's off and they can just go out there and try and enjoy themselves and you know, stamp our authority on the match. The first half hour at the Etihad against Napoli was the best we've played all season. It was absolutely phenomenal. And then the second half, we saw Napoli show their quality and come back into the game. Um, I think their left winger looked very decent 
prospect and I know we've been linked with the left back we'll be buying both of them then next year then will we a bit like the the Monaco situation you know we like we like them too we'll have them <laughs> um but it, it is a test for us and we we need to be winning these games to, to kind of almost assess where we're at in our development but I don't think we should get hung up if you know there's not that much pressure on this game I don't think given what we've done in the group stage so far but but don't teams talk about momentum and clubs talk about momentum? Yeah, don't we want to keep this momentum going? Do we yeah, want of, to of course, keep this winning of, run of going? Course, of course, Nigel. But it, you know, as we say, we've got nine points in the bag. That's our best start to a European campaign ever. If we were to come away from Naples with a point, I'd be really quite happy with that. I, I don't think we need to go all out to break the bank and risk potentially losing it. But if we lose, it's not the worst result in history because you know we really need maybe two more points and we're probably there home and dry so it's it's going to be a tough game Napoli are going to want to win it on the back of the fact that they felt that they probably did enough in the first game to get a draw out of it so they're probably going to want to put us back in our cage a little bit the one thing we have to flag and hopefully it won't get to this situation the last group game for Shakhtar I think think that's the the last game is the away game is directly before the derby so that's something that we really want to be able to, you know, yeah. rotate and rest a few players such that we're refreshed for what could be a, you know, a title decider. So it's a, you know, the, the earlier we get this done, the better. But you make an interesting point because, of course, we, we've we got Arsenal uh, at 2.15 or 2.13 or something, some stupid time at the weekend uh, on Sunday, uh, just for the telly, of course. Um, so he's, that's pretty important Premier League game isn't it so is he going to go with a full strength squad against Napoli and a full strength squad against Arsenal is that has he got any other choice than that is he going to bring Foden in I mean you know Latty Baudier at centre back I think he'll go with a full strength team for both games um, I think defence and midfield pick themselves at the minute it's the same players every game be interesting what he does against Napoli um, up front because it's probably three from Sterling, Sane, Aguero and Jesus, imagining that Bernardo will probably drop to the bench. Does he play two strikers? Does he go for the two quick wingers who just give you that kind of threat in behind? Um, it's a real problem, isn't it? Oh, oh. it's terrible. <laughs> but actually, I thought You'll against... You'll be sitting there thinking, oh my God, what we've, got? we've got problems there, lads. Look at these options. But I actually, I don't... I know we don't want to go back over old ground against Wolves, but I actually thought against Wolves in the Cup, it showed how little rotation he'd used because you had players like Bernardo, Gundogan, Danilo, who, Yaya, who just haven't featured at all. They might get 20 minutes here or there. They looked exhausted and they looked off the pace as well. Um, I don't know whether you can rotate a bit more. I'm not saying make seven, eight changes every match, but as he's trying to do with Bernardo and give him the odd start, could you play Gundogan instead of David Silva for a game and just afford Silva the rest, make sure Gundogan's up to speed? Because I thought it it showed that Pep's probably wanted to keep the same eleven or twelve on the pitch as, as often as he can. Mm. I mean, your view, Steve, on that yeah, potential I, I lineup? It's always I, difficult. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not sure about the Jesus and Aguero. That's the big question in my mind. I think he's probably fairly certain as to the the other players he'd probably like to play up front. But I think whether he goes for two of them or one of them, I, at some stage or other, Aguero has got to break this record to get that monkey off his back he does historically perform quite well away from the Etihad in big games like this he's, he's performed really well in Munich when we came back to win 3-2 um, so I'm, I, I would like to see 
possibly Jesus starting with Aguero perhaps coming on with uh, sort of 40 minutes to go, depending upon how the situation is. But we do need to keep some level of energy back for Sunday, really. So how he manages that, I'm not sure. And your thoughts about Sunday then, Dave, sort of moving to the Arsenal game? You know, I, I think Arsenal quietly, you know, they they have the capacity to do some real damage. If you saw the Everton game, they could be incredibly clinical. They have their problems, they're well documented. And I think we, if, you know, they tend to play possession style football, we're better at that than them. And we should be able to, we should be able to, um, to get a, a decent scoreline. But they do have the players who can, who can shock you? You know, I think Lacazette is a very, very able finisher. Sanchez, we all know about, is documented. He's very direct, very dangerous player. We could be a little bit, a little bit on the tired side, but you know, we should win that. We should win that. You remind me of a question I did want to ask, and I'll ask it now because you mentioned his name. Uh, kind of, do we need Sanchez? Do we want Sanchez? And if we do. Who's going to, you know, who's he going to replace? I mean, it's, you know, not that long ago we were saying he was the answer to all our prayers and we really want him. Do we want now, sitting here now, looking at the sort of season that we've had so far, what we look like going forward, the choices that you just described that Pep's got at his disposal, do we really want Sanchez? It's a very good question. Thank you, Stephen. That's what I'm it's here for. First one of the show. Well done. Thank you. Um, first one of the series, probably. <laughs> um, I, I'm finding it hard to answer. Clearly, I, he's a, a, he's a, quali- a, a, he's a view from a blue is lost for words. This is a first, he's a isn't it? Quality player, um, and one side of the argument would be you can't have too many world class attacking players who are going to get you goals and create chances and and make sure that we're going to outscore the opposition. But it would ultimately mean that someone else, and I think probably Sane, just in terms of positioning, misses out. And Sanchez is what twenty eight, twenty nine. He's probably got another two, maybe three years at that top level. Sane's young and is already producing and is the present and the future. Um, but we are short on strikers if Aguero you know, is injury prone and there's still probably murmurs Pep's not sold on him completely. Um, you don't want to play Sterling up front necessarily. You don't want to play that false nine, whoever it may be. And Sanchez... Guardiola knows him, he's proven, he's played at big clubs and he scores goals. It's hard, and we might get him for cheap given you know, his contract cheap, situation. Than he was yeah. when we first went through. Yeah. It'd be hard to turn that kind of player on perhaps 20 million. So, so is this a yes now or is this it's, a no? Uh, it's I'm rambling a, and I don't know the answer. No, you don't know that. So, so help, I'll hand Steve, over to Steve. Steve, help, help a view from a blue out. One of the most articulate Manchester City uh, sort of... <laughs> <laughs> writers, commentators that there is, is lost for words. So help him out here, Steve. I, I'm not sure I've got the answer either, really, because I, I, I agree with Stephen in that if, if Sanchez's most natural position is probably to the left of an attacking three up front, and to do that, we would have to lose Sane. Now, Sane at the moment is in an absolute rich vein of form, and I think he's only going to get better underneath Guardiola's tutorage. So... Whilst Sanchez would be a snip at 20 million and certainly even a better snip at zero in the summer, I'm still not sure how that would feature and function because we've actually got one of the best functioning, most vicious and clinical attacks in the league. Would it make it any better? I'm not really sure it would. I don't know. Help him out here then, will you please, Dave? Because neither of them are answering this question. I think no. I don't think we need it. Thank you for answering Um, the question. My... 
But it's a done deal, though, isn't it? Have we not? Is the deal is the is the deal not done? I believe it's it's like I think it may well happen. If you ask me, will it happen? I think yes. Do I think we need him? No. I think Sterling. When this all happened, <coughs> we did not assume that Sterling was going to going to get the results he's been getting this season. You know, his his stats this season are phenomenal. I think S- um, Sanchez was kind of more in, more sort of earmarked for that role that Sterling's been playing. Sterling is 22. He's delivering. He's you know he's not the most technically gifted attacking midfield player we have, which is you know a difficult standard for anyone to meet. But he's delivering. He you know it's worth keeping him happy because he helps us meet our homegrown quota. I don't see I don't see what Sanchez is bringing to the table. All right. Before we before I ask the final question, I just want to remind people of Cancer Research UK's Tough Ten. Um, to get a place, uh, you just need to sign up at cruk.org stroke Tough Ten. That's tough, and then the figure one and zero. And if you use the promo code T T E N O C T, you'll get a five pound discount on the entrance fee. So so let's try and help uh, Cancer Research out uh, with that great event that is happening at uh, Heaton Park uh, on Sunday the twenty sixth of November. Um, Final sort of section. Uh, for the last few weeks, we've been sort of reminding people of our Christmas special that will be coming up uh, later on this year. Uh, and we have agreed that we're going to come up with the best ever Manchester City 11. I think we've agreed on seven subs as well. So maybe give us uh, one nomination that will put a smile on our face and maybe some sort of discussion about some of the more serious contenders as well. Steve, you, you go first on this. Well, just I think to... I'd put a smile on your face with John Macken for the goal that he scored at the end of the uh, comeback against Tottenham. Just on um, that alone, he gets in, I would have thought, doesn't uh, he? Would have absolutely. Um, and my um, true nomination for it would probably be Gio king just because I've never seen somebody able to run at that kind of pace with a ball at his feet, like it was tied to his right toe. Never played in the Premier League, did he? Uh, he played in the first division. Though. Did he? Mm-hmm. Okay. As it was in those days. Uh, you'll get a lot of support records, for that nomination, i Records sure. did not start with the Premier League. No, you're absolutely right. Absolutely. <laughs> Stephen Allwise, a view from Blue. Is this one you can answer or not? Or are you going to struggle on this one as well? I'll, I'll give it a go. Um, <laughs> I think that, similar to, to Steve's line, Kinkladzi, Banabia, Berkovic would fit in very naturally to the team that we have at the moment. Um, I'd be fascinated to see Sean Gota in our current squad um, because given the chances we'd create for him he'd probably score 30-35 a season comfortably but he couldn't do the one touch passing and link up play and, and work rate that Pep wants but he guarantees you goals um, I think him and Aguero up front together would be <laughs> quite something to watch <laughs> lovely okay I'm going to go for the one that will make you laugh a, play, a player I loved as a child for reasons that most people just can't quite get their head around Michael Tarnat. <laughs> who for a very long period was of not time, expecting that that was a name well, they did make, put a smile on our we, face we had, why Michael Tarnat because we'd had dreadful left backs for so long he was calm composed he'd seen it all he'd done it all and of course that free kick at Blackburn Rovers yeah amazing you know, uh, he, he had a shot like a mule as someone did. said in, in a recent show yes he, had, he did have a shot on him didn't he fantastic he was, free kick and I, I just thought imagine what he must have been like to, you know it is pomp for Bayern Munich. Imagine having that player. And of course, I, know, I realise I can't wind back the clock on him, but Michael Tarnat wanted to make you laugh. Um, one I genuinely believe, you know, last few years has been a, a great player. Technically, probably not on a par with what we've got now, but deliver for us when it mattered, Joey Barton. 
What he's... What he's... <laughs> no, you sure that's, what? that's not the laughing one? <laughs> hear me out. Hear me out. We're good. We, we want to hear your serious one as well at the end of this. <laughs> <laughs> the season we... You know, the season we nearly went down before we got bought by um, Taxi and Chinawatra, Joey Barton was so often the difference between... You know, if, if we were going to create anything in a team so devoid of creativity, it was going to be through him. Of course, his problems are well documented, but actually... Technically, he, w- he was not bad. And he-, he came up trumps for us on a good number of occasions. When I came into the studio tonight, knowing that was a question I was going to ask, Michael Tarnat and Joey Barton <laughs> were not two names that I had on the tip of my tongue. I have to say, you've surprised us, David. But what that's, can I say? Uh, that, no, it's good. I, I appreciate that. Any other names that spring to mind before we go? You well, look if, like if we're back- saying Joey Barton, then can I put forward Christian Nagui? You can, absolutely. Action-packed spell at City. Yeah. How many games, Richard, Richard, games Richard play? Dunn would be one semi-serious no, Richard Dunn's one. a good one. He won player of the year about four or five Longevity, years. Longevity, solid defender, quicker than he appears, um, could pass a ball. Mark Vivian Fowey was another one that was sort of very, very good, sadly, departed this, this, this earth, but great player, Mark Vivian Fowey. Absolutely. Um, and one who could have oh dear, here we go. delivered so, so much. <laughs> but this is, one is, I is think, a, sort of serious. Paul really? Bosfeldt. <laughs> no. Antoine Sibierski. <laughs> Michael Fronsick. <laughs> go on, David. Joe. No. Um, the, uh, um, Michael Johnson. I just remember watching him come through and just thinking this, this guy could go as far as he wants. Unfortunately, you know, injuries put paid to that, but you can add, that, you can add the great, You can add the great Paul Lake into that as well. These these players who were clearly mm. had a, destined for greatness and were, you know, cut short in their prime and, and Johnson and, and Lake are both in that category, aren't and, they? And Johnson is one of those players who you can sort of imagine in this team, you know, if, if development had all gone well for him, you know, he, he could have been a player who did a job in this team. Fantastic. Well, listen, if you've got any thoughts on that, please let us know on Twitter. We're at City Podcast, as you know, and let us know who you think should be in this uh, all... Uh, all-conquering, greatest-ever Manchester City team. A huge thanks to my three guests, uh, to Steve Cox, to Stephen Allwise, and to Dave Hodgson. This is Nigel Rothband saying thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you all very soon. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. The Man City Show is backed for the season by Ladbrooks. If you're a large organisation involved in managing, purchasing or making decisions on software licences, you need Livingston. Livingston provides the technology and a large team of experts to help you understand what software is installed on your network, who is using it and whether you purchase the right number of software licences to legally use it. This information can help you make smart business decisions when it comes to renegotiating software licensing agreements with large software publishers like Microsoft, Oracle, IBM and others and when budgeting for software spend. To reduce the cost and risk of managing your software licenses, speak to Livingston today about our managed services. Over 50 multinationals across the world trust Livingston to manage their software licenses. Visit livingston-tech.com for more information. What's your thoughts on Fulham? Chances are you don't think about them too much, but nice away day by the river, used to have a Michael Jackson statue, and once did quite well under Roy Hodgson. But that's probably about it, because chances are you're not a Fulham fan. However, if you do know someone that supports Fulham, maybe a mate or a colleague at work, please tell them about the Fulhamish podcast that I host every week looking at each Fulham game as it comes and goes, with a nice bit of quirkiness and humour along the way too. You can find Fulhamish at fulhamish.co.uk, and we're also available on all podcast platforms, including iTunes, Acast, and playbackmedia.co.uk. That's Fulhamish, your weekly independent Fulham FC podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network. 
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.